0: Julian, good to see you. Yeah, you too, Brian. Uh, You've got a guitar back there. Do you play? I do. I do. Um, Doesn't mean I'm very good, but I play. I started learning in 2010, I think it was. Or, yeah, 2010, about that. Um, But then I had a baby in 2012. (laughs) I didn't have the baby. My wife had the baby. And uh, yeah, then things sort of went downhill after that. I used to have this this cool vision of like, oh, I'm gonna sit there and play for the kids. It's gonna be, you know, that traditional romanticized version of playing the guitar for your family and your kids. Um it lasted maybe I think a week or so when he started walking. So okay. before that it was it was fun. It was all fun and games. But then when he started walking, he walked right up and grabbed the strings and cut his fingers on the um the high e <laughs> and i was i mean it wasn't funny at the time, I felt terrible, but then the guitar got put away uh and uh d- never played it again no, so it's it's something i've i've i st- i've picked up recently over the past year or so uh just to get back
1: into it, okay, it's cool, so you've been playing for like over ten years, but over ten years <laughs> over ten years <laughs> but, but I could probably catch up with you if I work hard, oh yeah, yeah uh, exactly. um yeah i i i feel slightly bad that i'm a gray haired bearded long-haired dude picking up guitar in his 50s um it's so cliche that's that's the perfect time to do it i think (laughs) i mean i guess it's either that it's that i have to do that because i can't afford to buy a a red sports car
0: yes exactly get a nice shiny red guitar instead I, I have a, a nice Lego Fender that I'm in the middle of building. Um, oh, hey, cool! You could play that. You could try playing that. <laughs> I want to get
1: the typewriter. the The Lego typewriter mm. it looks cool.
0: I yeah. saw that. I saw it on the shelf, and we just got back from a trip to Canada, and I saw it there, and it it looked pretty cool. So, tell me about good. Canada. Was that a vacation for you? Mm. It was at first. Um, I said this on on our podcast for a little bit, but. Um, it was my first holiday vacation in ten years. Since twenty thirteen. So
1: okay.
0: yeah, it was a long time. But yeah, it was the it was the best. We had such a nice time. It was it was really fun.
1: So which half of Canada did you go to?
0: So we went to the better half. The Vancouver? <laughs> I'll let people decide. No, uh, we we were on the Ontario side, so we're on the what's that? The east, it's closer to
1: the Easter coast. Yeah. So I've never um, been over there. I've just been over to uh, like Vancouver and Victoria. But yeah, see, I, I've never, I've
0: only flown through Vancouver, and it looks beautiful from the airport. So as you're flying and you see the mountain peaks out the window. But no, we were, in, we we're on the other side. We went to Ottawa and because uh, my, my wife's family's from there. So we went to Ottawa. We went to Toronto, uh, Niagara Falls, you know, went to a wedding out somewhere named Brantford, I think it was. Yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Lots of family time and nice. a, a hectic schedule, a hectic schedule. Well, hectic. It's
1: supposed to be vacation.
0: I know, I know. We 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 as we were reflecting on the way back, we thought, oh, okay, next time let's plan less things. So we we had something on the agenda every day to go see people, do things, uh, hang out with yeah.
1: friends. You know, it was wild. So the first time um, my wife and I did an international thing, we, we it was a work trip, but she was mm. my, her and the kids were able to go. We went to uh stayed in Munich for ten weeks. Oh. Um, but I was working during the week, but it was kind of cool because we just had to figure out how to live life in Munich, mm. shopping and cooking and stuff like that. Uh but we had the weekends to go play around and we really had a lot of fun just really getting to know stuff. So um and then uh I don't know, a few years ago we my wife and I went to uh, went to Paris uh and we were out with a tour like a group of people. Uh but they still they kept um uh, some half days, like we'd have something planned in the morning sometimes, but nothing in the afternoon, or or mm-hmm. vice versa. And I loved that, like just the free time to be able to just poke around, and hang out. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway.
0: Yeah, um,
1: that's... So you just, are. Yeah, that's that's
0: huh? my. Um, I'm going to cut you off. That's my favorite kind of exploring. I really love that being dumped in the middle of a city that you've never been to, and then.
1: What do we do? And just yeah. walking around. The well, staff. that that was some of our favorite times of just like looking at a map and saying, we haven't seen these, this part of town. Let's just walk around <laughs> just there.
0: Walk.
1: <laughs> huh. Yeah, exactly. It's, well, it's amazing. And uh, like Munich's small enough. Uh, one, one time I was there, was, uh, I rented a bicycle. And uh, you can like, in a couple hours, you can bike around the whole thing. Um, wow. As a circle. So uh, maybe it was longer than that. But anyway, it's possible in a day. At least That's one fun. to ride around uh, the inner circle. But um, Julian Sequera, 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 Seque- how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs>
0: so Sequera for for my friends, uh, but for you, no, I'm kidding. So Sequera for almost everyone that I talk to. But uh, for if you have any Spanish Portuguese listeners or anyone watching this, um, it'd be Cicada because it is a it's a portuguese
1: surname. Okay, Sacara. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Portuguese. Um and uh so what? portuguese are you, where's your where's your family from then? That where this comes from. Is it from Portugal or?
0: <laughs> no. No, so it's it's a funny story, but uh look it, it's not that long, but my parents um somewhere back along the line from my dad's side of the family uh they came from goa in india and goa is was uh settled or invaded i actually don't know the history um <laughs> by the portuguese at one point so there's a big portuguese history influence down there with um a lot of people there have uh, portuguese surnames and uh that's where
1: ours came from and then it's just traveled <laughs> around the world <laughs> nice well i've got a shorter a shorter uh, story for Auchin. I, mm. I was I was adopted, and it's just my family's name. So that's a I great know. story, though. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. i <I'm> glad you <laughs> shared that with me. <laughs> um, so um, you're actively building up the Pie Bites Empire with Bob Beldevose, right? Mm, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, Bob is full time now. Are you mm-hmm. full time? Are you no? Okay.
0: No, no no, so uh, years ago as this, this is kind of funny when the business started growing to a point where we were like, "Wow, we need to be on this full time we didn't expect it because I mean most people may know by now that we didn't expect plybytes to become a, a business right it was a it was a blog, and that was it um and then as it grew and we realized oh people actually need us, want us to do stuff we should go full-time on this <laughs> uh, we had to make a choice which one of us goes full-time and which one of us quits the the day job and and goes full-time on pie bites and while you would think that that would lead to like arguments and fights and all that stuff it was like a two-second decision because um, that bob goes on it full-time because we had a baby on the way there's, there's so everything comes back to having a baby with me i think <laughs> um and my wife was pregnant and i went yeah, dude, that's not happening. You go. <laughs> yeah, you have fun with that. So, yeah, and also, you know, relatively speaking, living in Spain, um, things are a bit cheaper uh, than here in Sydney, so in Australia. So it was just a no-brainer. So he went full-time, and, and uh, it's been great. So as the business has grown, so has inflation, and so has uh, – <laughs> so as the cost general cost of living so i'm not out yet but um to work on the business full time but it's something that's um that's going to happen shortly
1: oh soon. really okay mm.
0: well in fact uh, i will say that we were at a point where i could have done it maybe six to eight months ago and then all the prices went up and my mortgage almost doubled and um I was like, maybe, maybe not yet, Bob, let's just, uh, give me another year, man. Just hang tight, hang tight. So
1: <laughs> your mortgage, a, mortgage yeah, doubled. Constant, is mate. that because you bought a new house?
0: No. Well, we bought a house last year, wow. but, um, over here in Australia, and this is uh, kind of funny. I've had a few American or North American mates go like, what are you talking about? How can your interest, how can your interest payments go up on your mortgage? Um, we pretty much only do variable interest rates on, your, uh, on our houses. You can fix them, but you'll be hard pressed to find uh, fixed rates that go for more than one to at max, I reckon, five years. And I think you'd struggle to find five years. Huh. Uh, so when my mates told me in the States, oh yeah, we, we fixed our mortgage at like 1.7% for like 30 years, I'm like, I hate you, I hate you so
1: much. I yes, I probably shouldn't ask you this, but I'm dying to know. How do you figure right. out how much money you all make if if it's peaceful time in your part time? Or-
0: oh, yeah, yeah. So we we um without giving away too much of the the inside scoop. It's pretty it's pretty funny and I and I'll actually I'll share this story. Um when we started making over you know 500 bucks, I think a month. Uh, like the business started bringing in, and as, as anyone who starts their own business will know, that's huge. You know, your first couple of dollars, your first hundred, your first 500. Um, you just think, wow, that's incredible. And Bob and I, we both decided, we said, Hey, we're, we're best mates here. Let's, let's never let money get in the way of anything right? Or yeah. the success or anything that might come from this. And we never anticipated we'd even grow to the point that we have today, right? Uh, where, you know, there's there's Bob and myself as the, the primary people, but we have a team of like 12 or 13 contractors working with us. So That's people amazing. who build, yeah. And, and most of them are coaches for the, the program and, but we have support staff and things like that, right? And we never thought we'd get to this point, but Anyway, I, I digress back back to that $500 thing. We both said, how are we going to make sure that we always keep this top of mind? And uh, so we actually docu-signed a document together that said, if we ever stress or worry about money or it ever gets to a point where we're thinking adversely about cash or it's impacting our friendship, we come back to this doc and remember that we, we signed that our friendship comes first.
1: <laughs> okay nice. above
0: anything else and so we actually have never even had to do that money's never been an issue um bob okay. the full timer right so it makes complete sense that he um draws a, a full-time salary from working on pie bites right yeah and me being just a few hours every day uh after hours we just do it on a sliding scale like that and it really doesn't bother either of us you know yeah um, I hope you don't mind me asking about that i was just curious no, not at all. I think I think we've spoken about it once before
1: um, about that document that we signed. See, we I, it was kind of funny. I'm not surprised that you've gotten huge because you guys are both awesome, um, and Thanks, the man. the uh, community aspect has been front and center from the beginning of you trying to mm-hmm. include and be, uh, I guess, just cool with everybody that you're working with. Um, and but it does. It's a lot different from going from two people working together to uh, you are bosses now, right? Uh, yeah, people that work for you. That's uh weird, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it, it's really weird. We talked about it a couple of months ago. We're like, "Wow, man, we got we got a team." So you know, we had um. I remember the the pride. I think I don't know when it was. It was a couple of months back, I got a screenshot of it. We had our very first team all team meeting, and almost the entire team made it. And just to see all those people brought together for the first time, meeting each other because they're all across the world, right? We got people in so many different countries. Um, it was really nice bringing everyone together. Was it a, a physical meetup or no, no, no? Over okay. we don't make. How much money do you think we make, bro? Oh, Jeez, uh, no. <laughs> over five hundred dollars. <laughs> It was over five hundred bucks offsite. Yeah, um, no, it was. Uh, it was uh, what was it? A Zoom, Zoom, and yeah. it was you know the, the typical thing. But man, the energy, you know, Bob and I That's were both cool. quite emotional. Both, like, I almost teared up. I was like, wow, seeing everyone here talking and sharing. Just as the, the people realised they had similar interests to other people um, over the call yeah. as they were introducing themselves. And yeah, it's been nice. But I've got to admit, the the hardest thing is. Um, Remembering that we have such a widely dispersed and varied team, and that we should we should continue engaging them, right? Just like you expect at the standard corporate workspace, hey, why aren't we doing anything for the team? Where's my uh, Friday afternoon drinks? You know, so uh, we got to we we need to constantly figure out how we do that. So just um just recently we we bought them all pie bite swag and stuff to uh that's great. So- yeah, they will have shirts like this now, and actually, they got more stuff than me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, how does that look? I haven't got one of those. Uh, we didn't, we didn't buy ourselves any swag. <laughs> we should totally do. Uh,
1: Michael and I should totally do Python Byte swag. By. Oh, you should. Yeah. It's it's so much. Um, I want a t shirt. It's so, so much fun. To have I, I've I've wanted to make like testing code t shirts for a long time because I've got a whole mm-hmm. bunch of sayings already that I want to put on there. Like I like to break mm-hmm. things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's a good
0: one um anyway you should i'll I'll tell you what i'll I'll help you with it offline
1: okay that'd be Mm. uh, that'd be awesome um nice but the the swag's important um we're noticing that even at uh, my corporate job of people like their job and it's good Mm -hmm. that they like it and it's cool if they want if they want to wear some some like company swag uh get it for them like hmm. that's great because then they're walking around and people go what's that oh that's where i work we're awesome and we do all this cool stuff um, yeah and-,
0: and that that's not to say that the swag is there to to solve every problem right i mean if people are interested by all means and that's actually what a lot of people were saying Yeah, hey we're coaching people um it'd be cool to have a pie white shirt to coach people in you know so we're like oh yeah and that's what triggered the idea um but, you know, we're hoping, you know, if we think big and Bob and I are constantly like visualizing five years into the future and thinking so gargantuan, it's, um, it's, it's in the realms of insanity for right now. Um, but we would love to be able to like treat everyone to like, hey, let's all go and meet for a week in Berlin, right? Oh, or yeah. choose one of the team and say, um, we're somewhere in your home country that we could meet. So at least I get out of their hometown or, or, you know, somewhere yeah. in Europe or North America or something would be nice, you know, but actually I would, I would love to do something in like Japan or that would be mad, but they're so expensive as well. But, you know, you, should, you it, should come to Portland
1: and then we could all like, uh, you know, we could we could be there too. It'd be cool. I, I wonder why you'd say that. I wonder, <laughs> you know, you could get, you could just get, um, you send them a stack of five uh, stickers and they could just, they could advertise on any shirt they're wearing currently. <laughs> we'll get some uh, sew on or iron yeah. on. Yeah. Iron <laughs> on stickers. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. because a pie bites flannel would be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, in the Midwest, maybe Iowa or something. If you got anybody. I would, in I would love to see that. Uh, I'd love to see Nice. Yeah. It. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you guys have recently switched to coaching and done a lot of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Um that, I guess it's not really recent. It's, been, what, a it's been years? yeah, it's
0: been um what are we 2023? So yeah, it's been three years. Through roughly okay. three, maybe three and a half.
1: Yeah. So you start did you start it before the pandemic then? Oh, oh man. Just right
0: we started I'm pretty sure we sent the email saying, Hey, we're you know, how can we help you with the Python problems you're having? That's how we kicked off coaching. I think we sent that email like 2 weeks before lockdown kicked in worldwide. <laughs> so I think we sent it in February 2020 and maybe January actually, maybe January. Um but yeah, it we kicked it off right as COVID was starting. It was um mm. it was a great
1: time to start a, to start a business.
0: <laughs>
1: <Just> <laughs> well, Uh, Not a a non-brick-and-mortar business. I think you're right. I think it probably was a good time. People, especially a a virtual coaching sort of a thing. Um, Yeah.
0: So. It it worked out well. I mean, people, it didn't, at that point in time, COVID wasn't so huge that people were, you know, burnt out from it and stuff. It was... yeah you know, there was a lot of fear a lot of the the statistics were coming out and stuff but and I think you know this helped um people a lot of the people who came through the program at the time for them it was actually a nice uh for lack of a better word distraction you know yeah. uh, they were focusing on something positive like their growth, and we were doing a lot of mindset calls and actually how the program worked back then is very different to how it worked now so um you know we were doing a lot more one on ones with people just myself and Bob, because we didn't have a team. Um, and yeah, it, but yeah, I think it worked out well for a lot of people. It, it was helpful for their mindset. It was helpful for um, giving them something to focus on during
1: um, a pretty difficult time, right? Yeah, that's pretty great. I like it. Yeah. You and Bob are are different personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Bob's pretty happy, but I have to say you're like even – a brighter spark than Bob. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take that boat of
1: Take that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, or, that. or maybe just more open about it. Um, I, I, I guess I want, I'm curious. Is this, I mean, clearly you have hardships and stuff. Um, it, is it person, is it conscious that you try to present a positive persona or are you just generally a pretty happy guy?
0: i think um i think it's a bit of it's a bit of both um i definitely have the things that that stress me out um and in the moment actually to be honest most of it's to do with the kids right Uh, because it's like the one part of my life that i want to have a little more control over but you kind of have zero control when it comes to the kids um and i'm talking about things like bullying and and so on because the my my older two boys are in school and um, there are things that you know that go on at school that you just never be able to control who their friends are um how they react to situations um like if someone says something mean to them, you know you wanna jump in and and uh you know yeah step in right, but you can't and um you know that that's illegal I'm pretty sure so we <laughs> so those things they they do tend to weigh on you, but you know I think um, as Bob and I always talk as i so obviously i mentioned bob a lot that's because he's my best friend right and we talk every single day for at least an hour right and then there's at least 10 to 15 minutes of audio messages on on whatsapp that we're sending back and forth throughout the day um and we we talk about it that we essentially train on mindset a lot stoicism and uh, the seven habits of highly effective people all that sort of stuff right we've just talked about it so much through pie bites we've um practiced it so much in uh what we do every day because to run a business as you know brian you know there are ups and downs um you've just launched a bunch of cool stuff and you know it's it takes a lot of mindset to be able to push through those days when you're like the last thing you want to, to do is sit here and write this damn book um you know yeah. but you you just push through and do it other days you got all the energy in the world right um but, yeah, so with all that sort of – I'll use the word training that we've been doing for ourselves on this these topics over the years, it just filters through to the everyday. So, yeah, look, I, I do have the things that go on, like, of course, the stresses, the mortgage increase. We just had a water pipe burst in one of our internal walls of the house, oh, which awesome. is – yeah, but, you know, there's that essence of you just – and in the moment, I might – I might get frustrated. I might be like, oh, come on, this is the last thing we needed. But at the end of the day, you just five minutes later, you're going to go, well, am I going to sit here and sulk about it? Or am I going to focus on what I can control and let that be the thing that makes me happy? Right. So getting on top of it, getting the plumber out to fix it and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm like, okay. You know, and in I think an hour from now, an, an assessor from the insurance company is coming out to have a look at it. And I'm just like, yeah, done.
1: Don't need to worry about it, you know. That's so, great. So yeah. it's a, you clearly, I think, have a a tendency towards looking at the bright side, mm-hmm. then. Um, but it's not free. You actually still have to keep working at it. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, and there are the tough days. But I think a
0: lot of people um, don't pay enough attention to themselves and how they work and the, the triggers that set them off, the triggers that stress them out. Um, you know, like meetings, for example, could be something that raise anxiety levels in people. And if you don't pay attention to um, what it is that sets you off, and then what it is that recharges you, then you don't have that balance. Because sometimes you're just gonna have to do the things that raise your anxiety levels and, and stress you out and stuff. It's just part of life. But then, how are you going to recharge after that? You know, um, are you yeah. taking that self care that you need to get back to centering yourself? And not enough people do it,
1: and that's I think a lot of people are stressed. One of the things I'm trying to do. Um, so this, thanks for the therapies lesson right now. Um, <laughs> Send um, the bill. Um, so I'm listening to a book. I almost finished listening to a book called uh, "The Happiness Advantage" by Sean Achor. I think. Um, mm-hmm. It's written in 2010 it's an excellent book and it's not that long to listen to. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying it. But one of the things is that he talks about is the effect of just being, you know, being happy and nice to people on the rest mm. of the people you work with. Um, it's, there's a whole bunch more, but that's the part we're focusing on right now because there are some topics in meetings that do trigger me and I can tend to end up being a little surly. Um, so no. uh, <laughs> I can't even picture it. <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to do is um, make sure that um, that I don't end the meeting. It's kind of like one of those things of you, like never uh, as a, a uh, married couple, you never end end a day in a fight or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do that with meetings. I never want to end a meeting with somebody thinking that I'm upset. With them. Um, mm. So I'm trying, I'm trying to be conscious of the the, the mood of the meeting and if it got, Dark in any way because of me uh yep. to try to try to lift that back up and make sure everybody knows that i appreciate them before nice. before i end the meeting because i really don't want to be the kind of that guy that brings everybody down for the rest of the day. that's just yeah so i like that that's a, anyway. that's a good one uh and i i do think that you I'm, i imagine that you already do that naturally um
0: there I we just go. well. The thing for me is, I just don't have meetings. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't go to them. No, um, yeah, no, no you, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So you,
1: um, you've had have you, you, um, have you had pretty good luck with your coaches? Any bad, bad people that you brought on and went? Oh, this person's just kind of not a good coach.
0: <laughs> no, no. All the coaches themselves have been incredible, and. Um, So I don't know if everyone knows this, but the the Python coaching that we do, the coaches, I think all but one of them, and and actually aside from two of our new specialist coaches, but um, all of them have been through the program. They were all our clients at one point. So we coached them through building their Python applications, learning those software development skills and best practices and mindset and all that stuff that we do in the coaching. And then they got to the end and they said, we don't want to leave this environment. You know, the, the common sentiment across them all was that we want to stay involved. We love what you guys are doing. We'd love to help you grow. How can we help you with this? And when we got to a point of scaling and needing that sort of support, we were like, would would you come on as a coach? And they're like, oh, really? You know, and um, so, yeah, <laughs> we, we brought them on and they've all they – all, it's funny, they – as with building your own team at um, what you'd call a traditional job that as we built this team out, we realized just how, uh, how different each one of them was, how different their styles were. And so it's allowed us to do things like pair them up with um, like-minded people or people who have similar interests. And in, uh, that we know that if they, this client went with this coach, their experience is going to be 10 times better than if they went with another coach because of the demeanor and, uh, the tech stack that they want to use and things like that. So, um, cool. yeah, no. So far, uh, only because this is recorded, so far everyone's been fantastic. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I hope, hope they're listening to this. You know, talk about you. Um, yeah, no, it's it's great. We we actually don't have any issues with the team. Knock on wood. Uh, we haven't had to have any awkward discussions. Like, hey, you're not uh, It's not working out with you, buddy. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to say that to Bob. Mean. Uh <laughs> you're gonna fire oh, Bob. Bob here's the thing, Bob. <laughs> yeah.
1: Need you to work harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, that uh, man works like 10 hour days. Oh, uh,
1: gonna need you to do three YouTube videos a day.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I um, think he did that once, yeah. <laughs> uh well you you're you're like probably this the only one of two people I know that live in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um I, Anthony Shaw as well, right? Yeah, and he lives down the road, or I live down the road from him, whichever way you want to put it. So from the stuff he posts on on uh, social media uh, and also right. just my understanding of Australia, Australia seems like it's just full of animals that are trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're, you're just going to answer with, the, mm-hmm? mm-hmm. I, well, no, because if I say anything, they'll get me.
0: They're, they're waiting outside the door with a <laughs> baseball bat or a cricket bat okay (laughs) no it's um it's true it's 100 percent true there's a look it's it's not as scary but yeah it's when i think about it it's constantly at the back of my head that there is some that you got to check you know you got to you got to walk into a room check and you know there are people here who just aren't phased by it like anthony right it doesn't phase him he's not worried about spiders and stuff but me if i see a spider on and burn the house down right i (laughs) I'm not a spider person, but I'm also, I'm fine with snakes. So, you know, if we see a snake in the backyard or something, I'll just, as long as it's staying where it should be staying, like in the bush or something, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, But, you know.
1: Well, are there snakes that can hurt you? I mean. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, oh yeah. Well, in in the uh, in the northwest there's rattlesnakes, but they don't they're usually in the drier areas. So okay. we don't get rattlesnakes in in like in the suburbs. Uh mm. not that I at least not in mine that I know of. And if you know different don't don't tell me. Um <laughs> so, I'm I'm talking to everybody listening. Yeah, uh, but like I lived yeah. in Colorado for 4 years before I learned that we had both tarantulas and scorpions that were just in my neighborhood. Oh. Um, i didn't like that Um, wow um, when i
0: i remember our old house before we moved up the coast here and and bought this place uh the neighborhood was relatively new it was only like 10 years old or something and it was built with a sort of national or regional park around it Um, lots of bushland very dry Um, we had kangaroos in the front yard every day uh, during the summer it was it was you know it was a nice place. Um, and during those bushfires a couple of years ago, it was a it was a scary place. But um, yeah, we would have uh, so there was a Facebook group for the local community, and every couple of days, especially in the summer, there was a oh yeah, there's a red-belly black snake on this street. Just make sure you stick on the the other foot. We cross over to the other footpath, <laughs> and. And those are, those are super dangerous. And I'm like, really? And you'd go, you'd go for a drive down the street and there it is, just sitting there on the pavement, just warming up in the, the morning sun, you know. And you'd be like, okay, I'm just gonna stay in the car. You know, so <laughs> I've had people oh. with snakes, um, crawling up into the wheel well of their car and then disappearing. And so they've had to leave their car, um, at work. Um, so a snake catcher could come out and, um, remove it from their car. You oh, know, they're like, oh, we can come tomorrow. So he's had to taxi at home.
1: <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it, it happens.
1: So is our kangaroos
0: in the front yard a problem? They were because they would leave their, uh, their droppings to okay. put a nice word, uh, all, all over my front yard. And I hated it. I'm like, oh man. Um, but it was, it was kind of nice. Like you'd get out it, those days I was, um, you know, getting up early to go to, to work. And when I would pop out the front door, you'd see them scatter like teenagers getting busted with graffiti. <laughs> they just look up and then they just, three of them would just run off in different directions.
1: You know, when, when we were in Colorado, I'd have, we'd have, uh, rabbits and wild rabbits in the front yard, Mm-mm. which are pretty, but the, you know, rabbit droppings all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, uh, occasionally bear and deer in the backyard. Um, and so we couldn't grow anything because they would just eat it. But also cleaning up after a bear is not. Uh, like it's as in it's. Yeah, yeah. You need a shovel for that. <laughs> uh, not, not not a nice. good thing. Anyway. It's a great topic, by the way. Uh, yeah. Animal poop. Uh. <laughs> Finally, an episode my daughter will listen to. It's about time. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned was uh, teaching Python to non-technical people, or at least mm. teaching coding to non-technical people. Do you, yes. Other than like your PyBytes thing, or is that what you're talking about? Or, it is or... through PyBytes, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, really, uh, you've uh, do you th- how do newbies come to Python bites or pybytes?
0: yeah so it's um it's something we kicked off sort of randomly serendipitously because we with the coaching that we do it's generally for people who already have a knowledge of the foundations of Python, right We don't want to be teaching people at that point we were like, okay, well, know the foundations, know how to write a function it doesn't have to be perfect, know you know how a for loop works, and so on right um, but we kept getting people who knew very little to nothing wanting to be coached right and we didn't have anything for them and we felt really bad that we kept sort of turning them away and uh, so we built a, another program and that's the PyBytes developer initialization program so in it we, we started calling it PDI PyBytes developer in it because of the you know in it levels for servers and you know computers and stuff. Uh, but no one, no one sort of got it. And we're like, okay, we've got to get rid of that, that joke, um, or that reference. But anyway, so we, um, we take people who know zero, and they're traditionally from the non tech roles, like you think about roles like recruiters, and uh, salespeople, marketing, EAs, you name it, right? They're generally roles that require using computers, but very little to well, no programming. Right, it's not part of their uh, skill set for doing those jobs, even program managers, project managers, that sort of thing. Um, and so, we're taking people who don't even know what the command line is; they don't have any CLI um, on their computers other than the basic, say, CMD for Windows. Yeah. Um, and we're teaching them to code in six weeks, and so it's been a different experience, but. Oh man, has it been fulfilling? It's been so much fun seeing these people who just never thought that they could ever learn to code—that it was for the realm of the nerd. You know, people like me who live and breathe tech since they were kids. Right? They—they um, they thought it's not possible, and then within six weeks, they're coding in GitHub. They're using branches. They're making pull requests, going through code reviews. They're understanding uh, Python as they read it read through their own application. They're talking about feature requests and just, you know, That's one incredible. of them, yeah, one of them talking about, oh, this is a decorator I've got on this um, this function here. And I'm like, wait, wait, you're talking decorators now? Who are you? You know, and <laughs> um, it's just, it's really fulfilling to see people showing, proving to themselves um, through the coaching that they can actually code and then taking it back to their day jobs, right? and making those changes so what
1: well, i imagine it, it varies but why are people doing this is it is it so they can communicate with other people that do program or to actually because they want to write stuff themselves
0: uh, a lot of them it was because they wanted um, to skill up they wanted to stay relevant they've paid attention they're seeing that uh, coding is becoming more and more prevalent um, chat gpt you know that the technical aspect of computing is starting to become more and more prevalent in their day-to-day and they want that leg up right they they want to make sure that with all the things happening in the job market that they stay relevant and so they're using it as a supplemental skill for their jobs like to automate certain things they do um, some of them are looking to move into development or development adjacent um, roles you know like going to devops go into Um, any sort of systems engineering, any um, support roles where they might be able to use some of their technical skills, right? Mm. Um, And just, uh, yeah, that's the motivation, honestly, so far has been people just wanting to prove to themselves that they can do it. Uh, And actually an unexpected benefit as well is it can also show people that they don't want to code, (laughs) without making them invest five years in a computer science degree, they go, um, they can come through the program, learn it and go, yeah, you know what, this isn't for me. And then drop it and walk away, you know? So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. Uh, It's very, it's, to me, it's very satisfying because it's one thing to coach people who already know how to code. And this is something they've lived and breathed. They love tech, all that sort of stuff. Um, but to coach people who don't believe that they can even do it and then show them they can, that's something different, you know, that's something special. So that, that to me
1: is really nice. Do you think there's a place left still for people that are going off and getting a four or five year CS degree? What do you mean a place for them? Well, like does anybody need to do that anymore or should they just do (laughs) six weeks and (laughs) go from there?
0: we're gonna we're gonna open that that box hey uh look i i see why people say that you need to right and and there are very specialist positions i think out there that require that level of in-depth knowledge right of uh, computer science and algorithms and all that sort of stuff Uh, i disagree that everyone needs to do it to get into the industry Uh, i'm very strong That uh, I have a very strong opinion and belief that if you can do the work and work your butt off and network and code and build and just build your portfolio, build your presence and just show that you are passionate, that you can learn, that you can grow, uh, that you love this stuff, that you have just as much um, chance of getting these jobs as someone who's just spent four years, five years, whatever it is, getting a comp sci degree. In fact, I think we should be putting our money where our mouths are, right? Like if you want a software job, there's so, I mean, there's many, there's lots of jobs out there, right? But with the amount of demand, the amount of people going for these roles, um, you kind of want to see that they can do what they can do and uh, that they say that they can do. And I think a coding interview is the worst possible thing to be asking people to do. I think it's backwards. I think it's dis- a disgusting practice. Oh, I'm going to go that far. What do you mean um, by that? Like the the whiteboard sort of a thing or? The the ones that put people through stress, right? If you're going to ask people to live code in front of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I think that's really mean, you know, to, to <laughs> I think it's really mean. I think you're not going to get the best out of people. And that's well, not no. how we code, you know, yeah. we code with resources and with time. And so, okay, if you can ask people to, do something at home, okay? Um, If you're going to ask people to demonstrate their code by, hey, show us something you've built, and then let's talk about it. Like that, that's really special, I think, because then they can talk about their own project. They can talk about their motivations. They can talk about their code, and you'll see the excitement in their eyes as they relive that, code base and talk about oh yeah i remember i got stuck on this function because this is what got me you
1: know see i and i think we're actually probably going to see a resurgence of uh coding interviews um Mm. see i i i haven't tried to hire anybody since the um since chat gpt came around Mm. Um, so pre-chat gpt one of the things i liked to do was to send people a code example or a a problem like just a toy problem or something or through two or three and say here write up one write this you know come up with a coding solution for this and then uh also write tests for it because oh um, yeah nice because yeah. i'd like to see mostly i'd like to see what test cases they think are important um mm-hmm. for making sure something's working um and the and they're all pretty easy stuff but i i'd like to have something to we so we can talk about during an interview yeah. we about but now if i did that at I would just assume somebody would just throw it into ChatGPT and let them do it and they it, and it would even write the test for them. Um mm. and as long as they understood the answer they could just turn that in. I don't know if that's useful or not. Mm. Well, so. you know, and
0: that's the change you know Bob and I talk about a lot is that yeah, it's going to be in there being used by people for for exactly those scenarios, right? But the thing that everyone needs to really get their head around is is it is the code that chat gpt spits out is it safe is it accurate is it actually going to work is it going to break your system so if you don't understand
1: what it's spitting out then there's no point even asking it you know (laughs) yeah Um, but and i think i think like why would i have a problem with that actually if if i hired somebody that could like just figure out how to do everything quickly exactly what Why is that bad? I'm not, I don't know. That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's where we, where I kind
0: of see the evolution of this is that you use it as your pair programmer, as your coding assistant. It's like, Hey, you know what? I need a a function that does this. Can you quickly write that in Python and accept these inputs? Right. And then it spits it out and you're like, all right,
1: perfect. That's a great framework. I'm going to edit it now for my use case. And I guess part of it's a fairness thing of like, if I've got (laughs) something. You know, if if I'm spending 8 hours a day working on stuff and somebody else can get that much done in 2 hours because they're using an AI, mm-hmm. is is that fair? I you know, I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, well, anyway, maybe, don't, maybe it comes back to the days of do I use the internet or
1: go through that 20 volume of encyclopedia oh Britannica my, on yeah. my shelf? <laughs> well, yeah. Also, <laughs> hey, um the one one of the things I wanted to make sure to the uh let you know is mm. since I talked with Bob, one of the things I've done is launched the um the PyTest course. Nice. And yeah um the some of the people on uh, some of the coaches on PyBytes um have at, access to it and they've gotten I've gotten some good feedback from nice. Not not just hey it's nice but also mm. some actual uh changes that needed to be made. So um, nice. So I appreciate the feedback from oh, the, that's the awesome. Teams. No I love that. Um
0: did you pay them for it? And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I gave them free access to the course. Uh, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and by the way, congrats on the course. I, I saw that. I was like, man, this is awesome. Just putting out stuff. I mean, you only just launched the version two of the book. When? Last year, was it?
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. But, you know, a year. it's been almost a year, and that's forever in uh, in internet time. But- Tech terms. <laughs> it's ancient. But, but, but it's, 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 awesome. a, it's a thing that, like, the reason, one of the reasons why I wrote the second one is to try to have a nice ramp up for people. And I always knew I wanted to write a, a course to go with it. Mm. And so finally getting around to actually doing it, it's, it's good. To yeah. It so, or no, I must it feel better. good. Yeah. Um, uh, it's fun. And I, and I imagine like somebody sitting right next to me. That's what I want the whole course to be. It's like, it's like, we're just sitting next to each other and mm. I'm telling them about stuff. Um, it's less of a lecture format. So, anyway, yeah.
0: What was the? I was going to say, what was the biggest challenge which, uh, with with uh, launching this course? Uh,
1: you know, stupid things like, yeah. like, uh, like, um, um, how much editing should I do before? <laughs> um, stupid things like pricing. How much to price it for? Um, what's too much? What's too little? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's like real. I'm 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 going through like uh, Michael Kennedy like wrote his whole back end for his course. I'm not mm. gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going through like a third party course system. I'm using teachable. And okay. but then there's costs associated with that. And so I need to make sure that like the uh, the fees are such that you know that it works. And there's mm. annoying things too about it. I mean, I love the platform, but there's 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 always annoying things like yeah, in order to hook in PayPal. I have to give up a couple more percent to for even all the sales that are not PayPal. Like uh, Oh wow. Okay. Weird things like that. It's like that doesn't make sense, but yeah. Whatever.
0: It's funny all the stuff you have to factor in that actually has nothing to do with the course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally um, get it. And like how, how big should the font be? Um when you're recording. <laughs> you know?
0: Oh, that bit me in the butt back in the day. I remember that.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. I, I I personally yeah. so I learned this from from Michael of doing large mm. fonts, um, uh, and and so I'm doing so much recording now that I just leave the the same large font on all the time. <laughs> I've got a big monitor, I, it's fine, yeah. um, right. but but it drives me nuts when I'm watching somebody yeah. else's tutorial, and I often I watch tutorials on my phone a lot, um, mm. and the the I can't see a damn thing that like little yeah. tiny the like. You're not even using all of that. It's all it's all yeah. crammed up into the upper left hand corner, and you're yep. talking about it. What? Yeah. Let me zoom in on that. Thing,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike taught us the same thing back in the day as well with the hundred days courses. He's like, "It makes you increase your font, change your resolution of your monitor, and all that stuff." I'm like, "Oh, geez, okay,
1: all right." Well, and I was kind of used to it anyway because when I was writing the book, I needed to make sure that all of the code examples fit in a uh, reasonably short i mean small window and everything mm. uh, but i don't know if i'm and i'm working on a new book too so Ooh. we'll see nice. but you know that uh that's probably like <laughs> it'll probably be where it's one of those like i'm writing a book um and it'll be 10 years later before it actually comes out but tell yeah. me it's a romance novel <laughs> <laughs> <not> romance novel <laughs> oh, although okay. um i am like so 50, how old am I, 53 now? Uh, Hmm. I think when I turn 60, all tech people have to start writing sci-fi novels. Um,
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, be the next uh, Brian Herbert or um, Kevin J. Anderson or something, please.
1: (laughs) But uh, my goal is to uh, have a couple more tech books and then uh, write a sci-fi novel in my early 60s. Have them not work, not have them not sell very well, so then I have to start a cult. Uh, maybe.
0: I like how much thought you've put into this. This is, this is a great roadmap. I'm, uh,
1: can uh, I subscribe to the cult? Do I have to give anything? You seem to already have one. Um, you've got <laughs> you've got a like a, a business model that people pay you to interview for six months, and then you offer them a job.
0: Oh so, yeah, I didn't think about that that way. It's a great <laughs> recruitment model.
1: <laughs> it's nice. I should try this. Uh,
0: uh, anyway. We're geniuses,
1: Bob and I. Evil,
0: <laughs> evil geniuses. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: well, I guess the last question I had um, it was the circling back to kids. How old are your kids? So I have three. I've got an eleven-year-old,
0: an eight-year-old, and an almost three-year-old. Yeah, but they're they're awesome. We, you know, we're living the good life up here. The kids are um the kids are happy. They're enjoying school, that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's it's good. And the three the almost three-year-old rules the house. Uh, that was our daughter. We went for the third and thought let's uh let's try for a girl, and we got lucky, got a girl, and now she uh, owns us all. So I'm surprised yeah. she hasn't come hammering on the door yet because she's probably awake, stomping around the house.
1: Well, I'll, I'll probably let you go. I've got two girls, and I love it. Um, mm. My my youngest says, Dad, did you wish for a, a boy? I'm like, no, I did not wish for a boy. I wanted another girl. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, why? I said, because we had all these clothes, and I could save some money by recycling the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you should, that's when you should have said, because we failed
0: with you two. So we want to try again with it. <laughs> uh,
1: no, but no, I love being a I love being a dad. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Are you going to teach your kids to code? I've tried. So you know
0: what? I look at you mentioned you mentioned Anthony Shaw. I look at him and he's like teaching his kids code. He's sitting at computers with them. You know, he puts the screenshots on Twitter and all that stuff. And I'm like, I hate you, man. My kids. I'm like, we we. <laughs> so i should message him we haven't we went out for beers just before um uh, my trip to canada and i haven't seen him since i got back but um he my kids won't even look at code i think i've talked to python and stuff for so long that they hate the idea of coding like they they're like i'm like do you you boys want to learn how to code i'll teach you do you want to try this and like no thanks (laughs) <laughs> and then I'd be like, "You know you play Roblox, I can it's not even Python. you can learn to code with Roblox and you know you can do make your own maps and things like that. yeah, okay, we'll give it a try. It lasted two days, no thanks, so well, they're it, still young, yeah, but, you know uh they you know i've I've given up on the boys now, and I'm focusing everything on the my daughter so um." Gotten her one of those kids' coding books. It's like he's how what an algorithm is, you know. So
1: um So she's three, so she'll never know a world without AI. So that's true. Weird. Yeah. Grew up during COVID, all the things that she'll uh grow up as in thinking this is just how it is, you know. She'll she'll have like a phone and she'll say, like, Siri, make me a SaaS app <laughs> <laughs> Siri, get get me a job. You know? <laughs> Uh, Uh, nice I loved uh, catching up with you we should talk more often Um, Julian thanks for coming on the show no worries thanks for having me Brian thanks everyone for
0: listening and um, yeah Brian you take care really enjoyed it
1: thanks for listening to Python People show notes are at pythonpeople.fm please subscribe to the show You can also follow the show on Mastodon. Follow at Python People or at Brian Aukin, both on Fostodon.org. This episode is brought to you by the Complete PyTest course. PyTest is powerful and easy to get started. You owe it to yourself and your team to write clean, easy-to-read tests to save you time now and during maintenance. The Complete PyTest course will get you started with good habits and teach you some cool tricks when you need them later on. Even if you already use PyTest, why not level up? With a 30-day refund policy, you've got nothing to lose. Check it out at courses.pythontest.com. Thank you, Patreon supporters. You rock. Links to the course and Patreon sign-up are in the show notes. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone you'd like me to interview, reach out to me on Mastodon. I'm at BrianOcken at Fostodon.org. That's all for now. Thanks.